Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I want to thank Janet and Hazel. Thanks for becoming supporters on Patreon. I hope you enjoy those special bonus episodes. If you'd like to support the show, find links to donate in our show notes or by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. You will get a handwritten thank you note from us in the mail because that's how much you mean to us. We can't do it without you. Thank you so much. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reaching thousands of people all over the world, send a note to bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com or use the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Now, on with the show. Welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle, and I basically consider it my hometown at this point. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, lives abroad in Rome. She's been there now for over 15 years. And this show began in Rome when I moved abroad and lived there for just one year, on Tiffany's street. But we go way back. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. If you're curious about moving abroad, or currently live abroad, or maybe you just absolutely love Italy, or love contemplating and exploring the big themes of life, well, you've come to the right place. Don't be afraid to dig around in the archives, even as far back as episode one. We're on a journey here, and you will not regret it. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, there's a lot of talk about learning a new language. A lot of people study new languages, even into their golden years. They'll be studying French or picking up Spanish. But very rarely do we talk about losing a language. Mm. And that is what we are going to talk about today. Well, that and other things that have to do with the language that are just sort of fun. Yeah, I think about this a lot. (laughs) Because, uh, as you know, of course, I so often find myself struggling for a word, which really bothers me because I'm a writer. You would think that I had words just at my disposal. But so often there's like a simple word, like a really easy word. My brain cannot find it. Yes. And I think about it in editing you after we tape because as casual conversation it sounds like we're having I do edit you and I do take out these moments where you're stopping and saying okay hold on a second what am I trying to say what is that word and then sometimes you try to give me clues to what kind of a word you're looking for (laughs) and I start suggesting things so of course for those of you who are new to the show Tiffany lives in Rome and has for the last 16 years and spends the vast majority of her life speaking Italian Uh, She's married to an Italian. All of her in-laws, of course, are Italian. She has a son who's speaking both English and Italian because she's raising him bilingual. But even so, you go to the grocery store, you go to his school, you go anywhere, and you're speaking Italian. Yeah. Yeah, lots of Italian. Lots of Italian. So it's fair to say that you spend the vast majority of your day in Italian. I would say I spend less now because before the pandemic, I was going to an office every day. So I was also interacting with my colleagues in Italian all day long. I was writing in English, but I was talking and I was hearing voices in Italian all day. Yes. Probably the the height of my Italian speaking was probably before I had my son, though. 
because I didn't have him to speak English to all the time. So because I have my son now and I speak English to him quite a bit, I feel like I do speak English more. He also asks me to read to him every day. We've started reading longer books, so I'm reading aloud in English every day, and I'm hoping that that will help bring my vocabulary back. <laughs> but I am hopeful that my quote-unquote loss of language is because I live over here and not because I'm like senile or something. I do every so often worry. I'm like, is it because <laughs> I live in Italy or is it just because my mind is blanking? Well, it's interesting to think because you haven't ruled out the possibility that someday you'll live in the United States again. Mm-hmm. True. Even though, given that it's been 16 years, the more the years go by, the less likely it feels probably because the more entrenched you get in Italian culture and right now you own a condo you know you're more rooted than ever much more rooted yeah but still I wonder if you did come back here would you start to lose the Italian oh that scares me just the thought of that scares me of course I would I mean because my husband would be with me I would still get practice right now I often speak to my husband in English and he answers in Italian but I I imagine that if we went to the States, I would make more of an effort to speak Italian because he'd be the only person I had to speak it to. But yeah, that's a real possibility, especially if I never went back to live over here. I could totally lose it. Yeah. I never even thought about that, Katie. I've ne literally never crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> really? Why not? I mean, I guess when you lose your native languages we're talking about, which you never, probably never really truly lose unless in certain circumstances, which maybe we'll get to. But I lose a word here or there. I lose the facility to find certain words at the right moment. But I'm not losing, I mean, I haven't lost my language. It's not like I don't know how to speak it. It's not like I can't form a sentence. But Italian, I would worry that I would truly lose it. I'm never going to truly lose English. But I could get to the point where my Italian was so rusty that I couldn't have a conversation. And I've just never thought about that. It would be more so the case if you move back to the United States that you would lose Italian than, say, if you went somewhere else in the world where there are more Italians. Now, that's not to say there aren't pockets of Italians in the United States. Of course there are. But I don't know. It's this thing about going back and forth in my head when you say we do a show that's often based in Italy. I travel to Italy quite frequently to work with you. Why have I not spent the time to speak Italian better than I do, if at all, really. And, <laughs> and part of that is just because there is no real practical use for me to know Italian living in Seattle, Washington. If I were going to put in the effort to learn a language, the one I could get practice on is more likely Spanish. Mm -hmm. There's way more Spanish-speaking people here, or there's way more Vietnamese-speaking people here or Japanese or Chinese, Italian, you just, you never really hear Italian in, at least in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. It's rare. It would make way more sense to put in all my effort into learning Spanish. That's <laughs> true. Know? But I, I do feel sometimes that we don't learn languages for practical reasons, but we learn them for passion. You know, we learn the language that speaks to us, that fascinates us. Yeah, you're probably right. And I don't think there needs to be a practical reason to learn a language as well. Not only is it very good for your brain, so that's a reason enough there, but it's a wonderful exploration. You you can fall in love with a culture, a new culture, of course. It, Italy is not a new culture to you, but you know it's a great way to get to know a new culture and start to explore 
explore that. And then, of course, that just gives you a reason to travel there. And Yes. So I wouldn't say there's no reason for you to learn Italian. Well, and it certainly would enrich the experience if I understood more of what was going on around me. Yeah. However, <laughs> since we're talking about losing language mm. rather than gaining language today, I don't know if you've seen these news reports, but one of the concerns with COVID-19 has been that because it affects people who are older and elders that there is some concern that native languages could start to be lost with the deaths of these older people who hold those languages. I've read about indigenous Brazilians. And part of the risk, too, is not just that they're dying, but that these cultural events that happen, like happen here in the United States with Native American cultures, these cultural events that happen that raise awareness of the language and the culture that's being lost and encourage young people to learn these languages and or keep knowing them if they already do know them are also not happening because people aren't gathering. Mm. So we're not only losing the people who speak the language the best. Mm. If I speak a Native American language and only the small pocket of people do, Ugh. I got to be speaking it with those people. Otherwise... I'm going to be operating in English the whole time, and I'm going to lose it. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to get any practice. I mean, you were saying something similar before we even turned on the tape recorder about your grandmother or your great-grandmother. It was my grandmother. Yeah, so my grandmother, my mother's mother, she was born in the United States, but she was born to Italian immigrants. And her mother never learned English. She never learned to speak English. And so my grandmother and her brother both spoke Italian to their mother. They both grew up speaking Italian with their mother. But she died quite young. And when she died, what I've understood from my mother is that their father would not allow them to speak Italian anymore in the house. Because, you know, at that time in the 30s, I guess it would have been, you didn't want to stick out as an immigrant, and Italians were often discriminated against. And so they just wanted to uh, keep that under wraps as much as possible. So uh, my grandmother, who she's dead now, but she did not speak a word of Italian You know, when I knew her, when she was an older person. When I started to get into Italian and start studying it, I used to try to speak it to her, and she just, there was nothing. There was nothing. My mom took her to Italy. Uh, it was the only time in her life she ever went a full-blooded Italian, child of immigrants, and she was already probably in her 70s by that time. And my mom was sort of hoping and was imagining that she would get there and she would just start chattering away. You know, she would be meeting these second cousins of hers, or maybe they were even for her first cousins, I'm not sure. But uh, it didn't happen. There was nothing there. Yeah, that's interesting. But I suppose if you stop speaking it early enough and you never speak it again, and you get to be an old person that you could completely lose it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Which also raises the question, if you were to move to the United States, even though you've been raising a bilingual child, would that child completely lose mm -hmm. Italian? No, no, no. No, we wouldn't let that happen. It's too much of a priority for us. I mean, you know, if we didn't prioritize English right now, he could very well not speak English very well or at all. We make an effort. We've gotten to the point where he does not speak Italian to me. The only time he ever slips into Italian is if he's telling me about something that happened in Italian. He's like, oh, and I said to my friend, and then he'll say like in Italian what he said to his friend. He's five and a half now, and it has become completely second nature for him to only speak English to me. And I tell my friends who have younger kids, 
or who don't have kids yet who live over here, I'm like, you've got to get to that point. It's a challenge. When he was three years old, it was a daily challenge. And I would say, I really speak to me in English. Why are you speaking to me in Italian? You speak to me in English. And I just had to insist upon it. And he knew I spoke Italian. He's not dumb. He could hear me speaking it to Claudio or to you know people in the supermarket. But I just wouldn't accept it. A lot of people I know were not that tough. And I worried. I thought, I can insist, but you know, at the end of the day, he's going to speak the language he wants to speak. But there's something about language that is very habitual. And there's a reason that once you establish a language with a certain person, even if you both speak another language, you're never going to speak that language together because it's going to feel strange. So you think then that if you move to the United States and both you and Claudio got jobs speaking English, that you would still be speaking Italian at home? We would probably speak Italian 100% at home. I mean, maybe I would speak English to Aurelio still, but Claudio and I would make an effort to speak Italian at home, for sure. Here's another interesting thought. Okay, in this hypothetical situation, we've talked before about how it was important for you to talk to Aurelio in English because he's so surrounded by Italian. So he just doesn't have the opportunity to speak English very much. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, one day he's going to become a teenager. Please don't say that. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's true. He's so cute right now. One day he's going to be a teenager hanging out with his friends. And depending on where you live, those friends will either be speaking Italian or they'll be speaking English. Mm-hmm. And you just told us a story about how your grandmother completely lost her language when one person who is still speaking it died. So hypothetically speaking, obviously you're not going to die when Aurelio is a teenager, hopefully, but he'll get more and more immersed in whatever language he's speaking with his friends. So the tether is tenuous. He is at risk for losing it. One of the two languages. Jeez, Katie. This feels like it's becoming a morbid conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hopefully, Claudio and I will both live to see our grandchildren. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're going to die. I'm just saying the hold is tenuous. It's tenuous, but I mean, remember that the reason my grandmother's father was also Italian. He forbade her to speak Italian. True. That was the problem. It was the forbidding of it. Obviously, no one is ever going to forbid Aurelio to speak either of his two languages, on the contrary. And he, he does have other relatives. I can imagine that if we end up staying in Italy, I can totally picture him going to the United States and you know spending a year there, either doing a year abroad, like when he's in high school with a family, or maybe going for the summer to my mom's. Although, I don't know if he'll be able to stay just with my mom and stepfather 10 years from now because they're already getting up there. Gee, that just got morbid for your mom. Oh, she was even more morbid. Sorry. (laughs) I don't mean that she could, he couldn't stay with her because she wouldn't be alive, but because she would be a little bit too old to be taking care of a teenager. Okay. Fair. That's what I meant. Fair. My point is that he's got more than one person for each language. That's true. He's got all of Claudio's family speaking Italian. He's got all of my family speaking English But I think it'll go both ways. He's so proud to be American. I mean, it's really cute to see. I think he feels more American because he's over here. It's more of an identification for him because it's what makes him different. Mm -hmm. And I think that the same would be true if he were living in America. I think he would feel more Italian because it would be something that makes him different. I like to think that he's (laughs) going to keep his languages. But that is an interesting idea. So quick aside on our language conversation before we go into playing a game that you have prepared for us. 
I wanted to tell you about this book I'm reading, still reading, because <laughs> you've heard about it before, but it's so good. It's uh, by Ronald Crutcher. It's called I Had No Idea You Were Black, Navigating Race on the Road to Leadership. Ronald Crutcher is a black leader who talks a lot about bridging cultural and racial divides by offering up his very compelling mm-hmm. personal story. This book is just full of lessons for navigating life and navigating different groups of people. Oh. And since we're talking about language, he not only speaks the language of the symphony, since he is a trained cellist, he also spent quite a bit of time living abroad in Germany. So he's fluent in German. And if I had him here, I would ask him how well he remembers all that German now that he's been in the United States and not going there as much. But it's a really interesting lens that he comes at this book. He's the president of a university, and he has met with people like Coretta Scott King. He's gone to a holiday dinner party with Maya Angelou. He just has the most amazing stories. It's just a great book. I highly recommend it. And since we've been talking about this, I've been one of the only lucky people to actually have a copy of this book in my hands because it's being released into the world on February 9th, which is tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the day of release, you can pre-order it right now. Use the link in our show notes or tomorrow you can get your hands on it using that very same link. So I would not delay if I were you. It's a great book by Ronald Crutcher. I had no idea you were black. And now back to the game. So we're going to jog a little bit here. We're going to play a little game. Katie always gives me a hard time about losing English, that I'm losing my English. I never even characterized it as such, and I think, until you you brought it up to me. I just thought, you know, sometimes you can't think of a word, but I guess it's just me. <laughs> well, I think everybody's like that to a certain point. But... Yeah, I'm just more so. Yes. So I was thinking about the different ways that I make mistakes in English, but it's not just with forgetting words. It's also either using Italian phrases, like Italian turns of phrase to say something with English words and or using a word incorrectly that would be used in Italian, but it's like a false cognate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I made a little list of these false cognates, also known as false friends. They sound very similar, but they mean one thing in one language and another thing in another language. Now, the first one that pops to my head, and I, I mentioned this to you already, is exaggerated. Exaggerated isn't technically a false friend because it does mean, esagerare in Italian does mean to exaggerate, but it also means to overreact. I never put my finger on that difference. I noticed probably organically in conversation, in context, that Italians use the word esagerare to mean overreact, but I never made the mental connection between those two words mm-hmm. until I started using it in English. And someone looked at me funny because I said, oh, I exaggerated. You know, I was like, oh, I got in this big fight with my husband and I really exaggerated. And they're like, what? Like, what did you exaggerate? What were you embellishing? Yeah, I exaggerated. <laughs> I was going off and, and I realized it's not, and I was overreacting. So that's kind of a true cognate and a false cognate. Yeah. But it got me thinking of other ones that are mostly false cognates. And I'm going to do a little quiz with Katie to see how many of them she knows. Okay. Yes. Because this is the kind of thing when you're just a casual traveler and you don't know the language and you're just sort of trying to pick up clues of what's happening around you. Oh, it's more than just a problem just for casual travelers. This is a problem for expats who are learning a language and maybe feel pretty confident in that language and use words the wrong way. And sometimes it can be totally innocent and sometimes it can get you into big trouble. Sometimes it can be downright hilarious for the locals. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) 
Yeah, I still make the mistake. There's certain words that I still say wrong in Italian. You know, I'm thinking that they mean what I think they mean in English, but they actually mean something else. So without further ado. Okay, I'm ready. This is one that I think is mistaken all the time by English speakers. Eventualmente. Oh, well, obviously it sounds like eventually. Mm -hmm. Eventually, eventually, yeah. What you have to do, and here's a trick, and this is a great trick just for, for speaking Italian in general. You think about the root of the word, because I think that what causes these false cognates is that in English, I think English is a much more changeable language. It's a more fluid language. Word meanings get changed over time, and whereas Italian, they probably stick a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Probably because Italian comes from Latin so directly that it doesn't veer very far. So when you have a word like that's a cognate, it means that in English, it's a Latin root word, right? It must be coming from Latin. And somewhere along the line in English, it got changed. But if you kind of go back to the root, if you can figure it out, it might make sense. So eventualmente for us means sooner or later, right? Eventually, I'm going to get my Italian citizenship sooner or later. I don't know when it's going to happen. So in Italian, eventualmente means possibly. It means in the event of, if need be, potentially, possibly. It might happen, basically. Eventualmente. It might happen. Exactly. So it's actually opposite. In English, it means it will happen. Sooner or later, it will happen. Eventually. But in Italian, it means it might happen. Interesting. Like you might say, I'm going to go to the store and if I happen to see that person, eventualmente, I will do this. In that event, in that case, I will do this. Interesting. Yeah, and that leads me to another one that's very similar to that, which is attualmente. That does not sound as much like an English word, attualmente. It's because in English, you would have A-C-T, and in Italian, A-C-T doesn't exist. It goes A-T-T. So in Italian, it's attualmente. In English, it's actually. That's the false cognate. In English, actually means really, truly. In Italian, it means right now, in this moment. Hmm. This got me into trouble once because I wrote an article for a client at the magazine I used to write for. It was a Belgian chocolate company, but it was based in, in Italy. Somewhere in the text I wrote, the company is actually from Belgium, or the chocolates actually come from Belgium. And they wrote back to me and said, our chocolates have always come from Belgium. What do you mean they only come from <laughs> Belgium now? They always have. And we're like, calm down. In English, actually means in reality or in truth. Uh -huh. So that's a professional way in which these false cognates can get you in trouble. But in the end, I was, I was right in English, so it was okay. Okay, here's another one. Pretendere. Pretend, uh, to pretend or I pretended, maybe? Yeah, but, okay, these are false cognates, Katie. You got to guess what it really means. I got to guess what it really means. Say it one more time. Pretendere. <laughs> if you think like, about it, if you the... think about it, though, if you think, if you really think about the, <laughs> the root of the word, it means to put on airs or be pretentious. Oh, interesting. So if you, if you dig deep enough, you can find... The original meaning. So maybe by like the 20th of these, I'll finally. <laughs> Not that there'll be 20, but. All right. That's very interesting. Annoyare. Okay, so obviously annoyed or annoying it would be what you jump to. Mm -hmm. Say it one more time. Annoyare. Or annoyarsi. It's also a reflexive verb. I'm editing the long silence here. <laughs> Think of the French word ennui. 
Have you ever heard that word ennui that sometimes yeah. gets used in English? Yeah. It comes from the same word. I don't even know if I know exactly how you would define that. Annoyare is to be bored or to mm. bore something. Annoyarsi is to be bored. Annoyata is the past tense. I'm sono annoyata. I'm bored. It doesn't mean I'm annoyed. That would be infastidito. How did you ever figure that out? Like when you're first learning Italian? <laughs> oh, time, context, mistakes. I mean, I did take one year of Italian and we probably learned some of these, but so many of them I just learned over time and by making mistakes and, and kind people like pointing out and being like, actually, we wouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. We would say it in a different way. Delusione. Of course, delusional, right? Delusion. It sounds like delusion. Some of these are almost the opposite. So <laughs> I could just play an opposite guessing game. And what, what would be the opposite of delusional? Would be completely rooted in truth. Completely <laughs> awake to reality. In this case, no. Delusione means disappointment. Oh. Oh, disillusioned. Yeah, it comes from the same place, but it's not as, it's not as negative. If you say sono delusa, It sounds like I'm deluded. It's a bad thing. It means you've probably got maybe some mental problems say, if you're deluded. In Italian, delusa, it just means disappointed. I'm disappointed. Hmm. Yeah. Here's a really good one. Really good one. Educato. Sounds like educated. It sounds like educated. Yeah. Or you can also say ben educato, which sounds like well-educated, but it doesn't mean that. Not exactly. It means that kind of. This is similar to the delusione one. It's similar. Okay. It's around there. It's in the same neighborhood. I don't know. <laughs> it means beneducato or just educato. It means well-mannered hmm. or polite. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I think this comes from the word educare is really more to do with, you know, raising your children. Hmm. You educate your children as you raise them. Whereas... What the teacher does at school is istruire, to instruct. Mm, interesting. So if you want to say that person is rude, you say, è molto maleducato. He's very poorly educated or poorly brought up, I guess you would say. But it sounds like poorly educated. That took me a long time. I bet. Yeah, that would be a hard one to infer. Yeah. Especially if you're learning a language, you're not only trying to determine what that person is saying, but then you'd have to determine... Does this guy seem like he's poorly educated? <laughs> How do I determine that? <laughs> How would I know? Do you have one more to end? Uh, let's see. You know, I have my, my dirty ones. Oh, yes. I think we've mentioned them on the show before. I know at least one that I could guess right if you were to say it. Yeah, preservativo. Right, which is not a preservative. It's a condom, although a condom is a preservative. In its own way. You see, it's more of a preventative, I guess. It's not really a preservative, <laughs> but it does preserve a person from being pregnant. Yes. <laughs> so. It preserves non-motherhood. Yes. <laughs> uh, the state of non-motherhood. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so this one can be a big problem. I had a friend who, uh, she spoke Italian very, very well. But like I said, even if you speak the language, it takes a while. It just literally takes time to learn all of these. And she was having lunch at her boyfriend's parents' house. And I think the grandparents were there as well. And they had this delicious fresh bread. She made some comment like, oh, this bread is so delicious. You know, in America, our bread is just not as good. It's full of preservatives. <laughs> It's full of condoms. <laughs> the grandmother <gasps> was horrified. <laughs> yes. 
That's great. And the other one is polluzione. Which, of course, sounds like pollution. But it means, do you remember? I don't remember. It means ejaculation. Some kind of pollution, I guess. Which is a type, <laughs> could be a type of pollution <laughs> in certain neighborhoods. Depending on if you're <laughs> wanting to preserve that state of non-motherhood in certain circumstances. <laughs> That's very funny. That's very funny. The most common ones to, you know, avoid on a practical level, you don't go to the library it's the bookstore. Libreria is bookstore, not library. And magazzino does not mean magazine. It means warehouse. And fattoria is not factory, but farm. So those are three sort of more practical ones. Well, and since we started with the idea of losing language, let's say people listening right now are planning their trip to Italy when the pandemic is over. Let's give them one useful phrase that might not be in their beginning textbook that could be useful on a trip to Italy? Just one. I mean, I'm just trying to think of one sentence that's not like, dove l'albergo? One useful, perhaps slightly unusual thing to remember. Yeah. Because they can look up, how do I find the train? Right. Let's give them something fun and unusual. Um, I want to try to come up with something that would make an Italian local be delighted but that's easy to remember and easy to learn. For instance, I used to work at a French pastry shop. And of course, I don't speak French, but the head baker spoke French. And so I learned how to say, you are the light of my life. Oh. And, and so he came in one day and he said, how are you? And I'm going to pronounce this probably very poorly, but, and I said, tu es la lumière de ma vie. And he just burst out laughing and said, oh, you're so nice. Oh, you know... That is so cute. I used to memorize things like that, too, in foreign languages. And I remember learning, Je suis éperdusement amoureuse avec toi. I don't even know if that's right. But it means something like, I'm desperately in love with you. <laughs> and I would just say it to, like, random, random <laughs> French people. That should have been the second phrase I had. What's something like that? Okay, I've got one. This is sort of similar, a little bit different, a little bit less personal. Sei un raggio di sole. Say it one more time so everybody can practice. Sei un raggio di sole. Okay. You're a ray of sunshine. Oh, that's lovely. One more time, Tiffany. Sei un raggio di sole. Very nice. And I guess we'll leave it there. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Need more show? Bonus episodes are released every single month at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast for as little as five dollars a month you'll get to hear even more you'll find a link in the show notes and if you jump on board at the 50 dollars level you get to dictate what topic we cover for example one patreon subscriber had us do an entire show on cuteness become the director for 50 dollars a month and support the show you love at the same time Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.